Hey friend, it's Shannon Ballard. As of this week, this little independent show has crossed a milestone of 1 million downloads. I love being able to say that. I've been thinking of how to mark a big moment like this for such a little show. If you don't know, um, this show, the research, the writing, the production, the hosting, everything involved, the promotion of the show, it's all a staff of one. It's me. And you know, Southern Mysteries doesn't fit into one little box, one little category of podcast. It's its own little thing. So I figured there's no better way to celebrate a little show with big hearts and thank you for listening than to do what I do. And that's share a story. Every month, patrons of the show get bonus content called Southern Mystery Shorts. So I want to share a short with you and give you a taste of what's happening on Patreon if you've never kind of dipped your toes in the water there to support the show. So in celebration of a million downloads and in the hope of a million more, I'm sharing an odd true crime tale from the 1940s and reminding you that if you love Southern Mysteries, you can hear more every month when you join in supporting the show at patreon.com slash southern mysteries. Thank you so much for listening to my little podcast and uh, and for supporting it, whether you give financially through Patreon or share episodes with friends, you know, tell your friends about it. It's another way to support what's happening here. So it's greatly appreciated. And I hope you enjoy this little tale from South Carolina. How does one kick from a mule lead to the death of eight people? This odd series of events began in September 1940 in Edgefield County, South Carolina. The Edgefield Daily reported on an ongoing feud between two farming families, the Logues and the Timmermans. And this feud had come to a head when Davis Timmerman's mule wandered into a field on Wallace Logue's farm. The mule kicked Logue's calf, and the poor animal was so badly injured, it had to be put down. Loss of livestock, it's always hard, but in 1940, losing this calf meant significant damages for the Logue family. Wallace Logue immediately went to Davis Timmerman and demanded he pay $20 for the calf. Timmerman acknowledged his mule had caused the damage and agreed to pay. A few days later, William Logue drove to Timmerman's country store on a road in Edgefield County called Meeting Street. He marched into the store and demanded Timmerman pay him $40 for the death of his calf. When Timmerman refused, an angry Logue reached for a nearby axe and used the handle to beat Timmerman. As the men struggled, Davis Timmerman pulled out a gun he had hidden in a drawer. He shot twice, and William Logue fell to the floor and died in that country store. An injured Davis Timmerman locked up the store and drove himself to the sheriff's department in Edgefield 
to report the shooting. Sheriff L.H. Harling called in Coroner John Hollingsworth and Solicitor Jeff Griffith. The trio drove to Timmerman's store to retrieve Logue's body and investigate the crime scene. The men agreed that, based on the evidence and Davis Timmerman's account of what happened in the store that day, it appeared this was an act of self-defense. When Timmerman faced trial, the jury agreed, and he was acquitted. Davis Timmerman did not know that Wallace Logue's widow, Sue, was trapped in the anger phase of her grief. The school teacher was so angry, so desperate to avenge her husband's death, she went to see Wallace Logue's brother, George, to ask for his help. Told him she needed to find a man to kill Davis Timmerman. The two agreed Wallace's nephew, Joe Frank Logue, would be the perfect person to help them because he was a cop. Joe Frank worked for the Spartanburg Police Department and Sue figured he'd know people who were willing to kill. Sue and George Logue pulled their money and came up with $500. The cash was handed off to Joe Frank, who hired an out-of-work plasterer, Clarence Bagwell, to kill Davis Timmerman. A year after Wallace Logue was shot and killed in Davis Timmerman's country store, Joe Frank drove Clarence Bagwell to that store on Meeting Road. Joe Frank kept the car running while Clarence Bagwell walked in and told Timmerman he wanted a pack of cigarettes. Timmerman turned to retrieve the order and Clarence Bagwell pulled a 38 caliber revolver and shot Timmerman five times. Davis Timmerman died near the same spot William Logue had died in that store one year earlier. Clarence Bagwell ran back to Joe Frank's car and they fled the scene. It's possible they could have gotten away with this murder had Bagwell not been an alcoholic. Clarence Bagwell was a stranger in Edgefield. But one night, Bagwell had one too many drinks and started bragging to a woman about the $500 he had made for killing a man. The woman went to police who detained Clarence Bagwell. He claimed to have never been in Timmerman's store, but police told him there had been witnesses that had seen the man believed to be Timmerman's killer in and around the store a few days before the murder. And they were willing to bet these witnesses would identify him as the killer. Clarence Bagwell was terrified, immediately confessed, and told police the man who hired him to kill Davis Timmerman was one of them, a cop named Joe Frank Logue. When Joe Frank was questioned, he immediately began talking and revealed he had paid Clarence Bagwell to kill Davis Timmerman with money provided by his aunt and uncle, Sue and George Logue. Arrest warrants were issued for Sue and George. On November 16, 1941, the warrants were picked up by Sheriff Wade Allen and Deputy W.L. Clark. They had no idea 
when they arrived at Sue Logue's house to arrest her, someone had warned Sue and George that Joe Frank had turned on them and confessed to everything. George Logue and a sharecropper named Fred Dorn prepared to ambush the officers at Sue's house. The men began firing at Sheriff Allen first. The sheriff gained entry to the home, but Sue Logue attacked him, hitting him with a chair before he was shot and killed. As George Logue and Fred Dorn continued to shoot at Deputy Clark, Clark returned fire and wounded the men before he was shot in the stomach and arm. Deputy Clark managed to make his way from the house back to the main highway where he flagged down a passing motorist to get help. South Carolina Governor R.M. Jeffries ordered state patrolmen to move in, track down, and arrest George Logue, Sue Logue, and Fred Dorn. Now, authorities knew of a Logue family friend who they hoped could help convince Sue and George to surrender. That family friend was Strom Thurmond, the future governor of South Carolina and senator. At the time, Thurman was a circuit court judge, but he had at one time been superintendent of schools and worked with Sue Logue. They were rumored to have been not only colleagues, but lovers, which may explain how Strom Thurman walked into the house unarmed and was able to reason with Sue and George Logue. They agreed to surrender to authorities. Within the next two days, Deputy Clark and George Logue's friend, Fred Dorn, died. By January 1942, a grand jury indicted Clarence Bagwell and Joe Frank Logue for the murder of Davis Timmerman. They indicted Sue Logue for accessory before the fact of murder, along with George for the murder of Sheriff Allen and Deputy Clark. Months later, George Logue, Sue Logue, and Clarence Bagwell faced trial for their involvement in Davis Temmerman's murder and the murders of Sheriff Allen and Deputy Clark. They were all convicted and sentenced to death. Appeals followed, but the death sentence for George, Sue, and Clarence was upheld, and they were scheduled to die on January 15, 1943. Sue Logue broke down in tears when her head was shaved in preparation for the execution. At 6.18 a.m., she became the first woman to die in the electric chair in South Carolina. Within the next hour, George Logue and Clarence Bagwell would face the chair and meet their end. In July 1943, Joe Frank Logue was tried and convicted for his role in the murder plot. He was sentenced to die by electrocution on February 25, 1944. The night before he was set to die, his head was shaved in preparation for the electric chair. A few hours later, around midnight, then-South Carolina Governor Olin Johnston visited Joe Frank to inform him, he had decided to commute his sentence to life. It's likely he made that decision 
because of law enforcement petitioning the governor to save the life of a fellow cop. For the next decade, Joe Frank Logue was the perfect prisoner, just thankful to be alive. In 1953, he was assigned to work with SLED, the state law enforcement division, using his skills as a bloodhound trainer and handler to accompany agents on manhunts. He was said to have helped SLED arrest over 100 criminals. Despite his involvement in the murder plot, he was held in high esteem by many in law enforcement. In fact, 37 of South Carolina's 46 sheriffs wrote letters of recommendation for his successful bid for parole in December 1960. His release would mark the end of a very strange tale of how one kick from a mule led to the death of eight people. <laughs>